During a crisis, you know, cocktail hour can be almost any hour. make me burp. We started this book club to stimulate our minds. From what I hear, this book is quite stimulating. Hello, and welcome to Boozy Book Club. Boozy Book Club. Season two. Season two. Woohoo! That's our our new theme song. It's great. And I remember the booze this time. I'm Stephanie. I'm Nell. And this is the Boozy Sitters Club, Boozy Book Club. We've already said it's season two. So we read Jackpot. Jackpot! By Nick Stone. And the short version is, it's a girl. We don't have a back cover reader. We don't have a back cover reader. We're flying solo. Things get weird when we don't have Lewis to tell us what the book is about. It's fine. It's fine. We can do it. We can do it. She is a young girl named... Well, she's not young. She's like a teenager. She's teenage. She's high 17, high school. High school senior. Se- high school senior. Lives in a suburb outside of Atlanta with her mom and her little brother in a two-bedroom apartment. They don't have a lot of money, so she works a full-time job on top of going to school. And a little old lady on Christmas Her name Eve, is Rico. Her name is Rico, not the little old lady. The little old lady we find out his name is Ethel. The girl's name is Rico. And she sells a lottery ticket on New Year's Eve for like, that's worth $1.6 million. And she's determined to find this little old lady because she knows, she knows that she is the one that has the winning ticket based on the numbers and what their conversation was. So she enlists the rich boy in school who also just happens to be a hacker. And Doesn't hot. that come? And hot, I mean. <laughs> Heir to the toilet paper throne. Which was, I loved it. it that, was, yeah. that was a lovely and, nut. <laughs> and I think the other kind of overriding key element here is that she and her family are, I would say, living in poverty or right around the poverty line she yeah Um, she keeps saying they are living beyond their means that if they her her mom specifically moved them to a neighborhood um in a school district where the schools are really good in hopes of giving them a good education and helping them kind of get a, a foot up on life that her mom doesn't seem to have had herself um but because they live in this area that is a little bit more upscale um, or higher property values anyway, they're kind of living or they're definitely living paycheck to paycheck. Her mom works two jobs. She works one job. They're still living paycheck to paycheck. And she it's it's a so she's also hoping she doesn't, I think, really realize it, but she's hoping that if she finds this woman with the lottery ticket that 
this woman will be so grateful because it's one of those the the jackpot goes unclaimed mm-hmm. and there's only a certain number of months that you can claim it before it goes away and all that. And so she's hoping if she tracks her down and says, hey, remember that lottery ticket that you bought? It's worth $100 million. That the woman will be so grateful and she'll mm-hmm. say, here's a reward and it will help them a little bit financially. Yeah. So that's our overview of the book. It was good. It's a good overview. Yeah. It was a good try without without a Scottish man reading it for us. <gasps> Speaking of Scottish men, we need to take a drag queen pause and congratulate Lawrence Cheney. Lawrence Cheney. <laughs> I'm so proud of so proud of Lawrence. <laughs> so our, great. Our second favorite Our second favorite Glaswegian. Lawrence. Lewis is the first one if you didn't get it. <laughs> if anyone didn't understand that. So, there you go. Or Lewis, if you didn't understand that. I would hope Lewis would know he's our favorite Glaswegian. I mean, he knows now. He knows, he knows now. now. He knows now. So, should we also talk about what we're drinking? Yeah. What are what you are drinking? You drinking? <laughs> ah, you owe me a beer. Uh, I had a day. I didn't have time to plan. So I went back to episode one, I think, maybe. I just made myself a spritz. I had the stuff. It's a classic. Makes me feel happy. Reminds me of a trip to Italy that I enjoyed. Spritz. Good. Do I need to tell people what's in it? Do you know what's in it, people? It's sparkling wine, Prosecco, preferably, Aperol, and a little splash of soda water. And an orange garnish. Nice. Mm. Well, I am still on the what do I have uh, in my house without having to buy anything. Um, so still on the basics. Um, maybe subconsciously, I also was, um, it was a nod to um, our favorite drag queen. Um, I'm drinking a whiskey sour. Mm, which choice. it turns out isn't that difficult. It's literally just whiskey, lemon juice, and simple syrup. Yeah, that's and solid. Apparently that's what a sour is, is like a mix of citrus and sugar or simple syrup, and then whatever your uh I feel is. like I should have known that. And then if you add a uh like red wine floater to it it's apparently a boston sour and if you do an egg white it's a new york sour i don't know seemed suspect and i didn't i just kind of glanced at that but anyway so yeah well little whiskey and this is technically a scotch sour rather than whiskey i think a whiskey sour is sometimes is mostly bourbon but or anyway whiskey. it's good bourbon is whiskey i know bourbon is whiskey but not all Whiskey is bourbon. So, like, could Correct. you use, like, a whiskey for a yes, whiskey Yes, I think you can, but I think... Like, I think could the, I use the, Jameson? Yes. <laughs> I mean, I used scotch. Like, I think the, the typical go-to whiskey of choice would be a bourbon. But... Got it. You have... You can use whatever whiskey you want. I also... I know, you're, you know, whatever you have in the house and basics. 
and this might be a stereotype for my ancestral heritage, Mm -hmm. but Aperol is 100% basic in my, in my, oh, it is. I just, (laughs) I just finished it. So there's no more of that. Well, that's a different story. That is, there's, there's been a lot of finishing things, but yes, uh, Mm. that needs to be replenished. There's going to be, I have to, there are so like on the, so again, if anyone didn't listen to the last episode, I am moving and, um, there's a, a lot of, I'm trying to use things up and I'm trying to not order anything like replace stuff. So I don't have to move it. And through the miracle of timing, I actually am at the end of a lot of things like liquor, not too hard. Um, face stuff like a lot of like yeah beauty things but i'm like at the end now where it's annoying where i'm having to like squeeze everything out and i'm like can i just get this last bit and i'm gonna have to like spend hundreds of dollars replacing literally everything i mean <laughs> i mean it's it's I money know. i will would have spent anyway just it's not just when you have to sp- yeah when you have to spend it all at one time yeah like when we started this podcast and I was like building up my home bar. I remember spending like a lot of money on alcohol that I don't normally spend. And I'm like, now I'm good for a while. But then like when things run out, I'm like, what the fuck? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I'm going to. Shockingly, be- bottles of liquor, much like beauty cream, does not last forever. It's weird. It's weird. It's really weird. I don't know why they don't last forever. Anyway, well, cheers. 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 So, did you like the book? Thoughts on the book? I did. Um, I think I, I mean, this was your pick. Um, and so I really hadn't read anything about it. I didn't really know about mm-hmm. it. I didn't, so I just kind of went into it cold. Um, so, the biggest thing where I was like, I'm not sure about this is the um, throughout the book. So it's first person from Rico's perspective. Um, However, interspersed throughout the chapters, every once in a while, there's like a a one page chapter that's from the point of view of an inanimate object. I enjoyed that. Um, I wasn't sure how I felt about it. I I felt like some worked better than others. Some definitely worked better than others. I think it was a nice... I think partly because I've always been that person that, like, thinks about my things having a life of their own, particularly when I'm not there. Or when you think about it, like, on a molecular level, everything is, like, moving and vibrating and, like, alive. So nothing is really, like, you know, yes. not. I mean, it. I mean, I don't know if it's sure. conscious. But most but things don't talk to you. No, most things like don't talk to me. Like they do in the book. So, like, that I was like, oh, that's kind of fun. I guess I can imagine in this context how they're talking to you. Yeah, some of them work better than others. Yeah. But And, and like, it, the first time it happened, I was like, what the hell? Oh, I, got it. Uh-huh. Yeah. I wasn't expecting it the first time. And then I was like, oh. Because I hadn't read the book either. I just had seen that, like, oh, she's a – Nick Stone is a great YA author. She's won awards for one of her other books, Dear Martin. And this one had a female protagonist. And I was like, oh, 
let's give it a go Sounds since good. we're reading yeah. it in March. It's Women's History Month, all that fun stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, I liked it. I think it made me very anxious because, and this is where I do think, at least on the Rico parts, where the writing was good because it, like, put me back in a 17-year-old's body, like, way more than I anticipated. And, like, but I am now older, so, like, I have the perspective of being older, and I'm just like, (gasps) But it's also (laughs) close enough to adult than, for example, when we read the Babysitter's Club books, and it's all these 13-year-olds, and you're like, that's still a very childlike mentality, and so you can... You get, you remember the feeling or whatever, but you feel more removed. I feel like a 17 year old is like, it's a little still close to home. Because, like, spoiler alert, she and the rich kid start to like each other. Yes. Although it's very, it's like the most chaste like I've ever read in a book. Yeah. For, I would say, 98% of the book. They exchanged meaningful glances. I think, weirdly, I think it was more like what actually happens when yes. you're 17. Like, yes. And then there was juxtaposed to their friends, Jessica. We're literally Mar- just like, let's go in a room and screw. Right. So it's like, I think that is like the typical depiction of teenagers of a certain age and a certain like physical appearance so then you had these two that that didn't happen and you get all the insight into like her freaking out not only about like typical girl stuff like what she looks like but like why does he like me why my socioeconomic background he doesn't have like and there's this tension between the haves and the have-nots and how they work together and then Throughout, I would say half, three quarters of the book, she keeps calling him a white boy until she, like, realizes he's not. <laughs> right. Like, half of his family is <laughs> from Mexico. <laughs> so, and I thought, like, it it did, it did well in that where, like, She's very self-absorbed to her own problems. I think, one, because she's 17 and all 17-year-olds are self-absorbed to their own problems. But two, her problems are actual problems. Right. And and they talk about that. Like, the family doesn't have health insurance and the mom doesn't want to go on Medicaid and she doesn't want to accept any, um, like... Food stamp, it's not food stamp anymore, SNAP, I think. Snap, but, yeah. like, she doesn't want to accept any governmental help. And and then someone, her other friend that she meets, she realizes, oh, she lives next door. And I never thought that. And they never seem to have any problems. And at one point, then she just kind of, like, offhandedly mentions, well, Medicaid covers all of that. And what do you and mean you don't get? Specifically, she mentioned that she was going to a therapist. And yes. Rico was like... How could you afford that? And she's like, oh, Medicaid, it covers that. And right. But what's interesting, this particular friend, Jessica Barlow, is when you look at her, the epitome of what everyone thinks of as the perfect popular girl in school. She's blonde, class president on the cheerleading squad, 
wears she only, wears the right clothes, right? Which you later find out are pretty much exclusively Nike. But then you find out that her mom is a single mom. She wears Nike because she has to work at the Nike store, and they're on Medicaid. So it's like there is also. I don't. I kind of also read it as like. There is like certain like race things in here. Yeah. And one of them I think is like how white people are like, "Oh, I, there's that gov- a government program. Oh yeah, I'm I'm going to use that. I'm going to take it." And yeah. there was no shame involved in it. And then you get you see Rico and her mother and all of the societal things that are put on them to make them feel like there is a problem with them accepting assistance when this other white family does not have that. And I'm like, that's fucked up. And I feel horrible. And I'm like, God, as a white lady, I need to do better. (laughs) Like, I know that shouldn't have been my takeaway, but I was like, it's just crushing to read how they don't want to get, Medicaid and get health insurance because it's seen as a shameful thing when it and I think like a piece of that is like the book doesn't specifically make that draw that conclusion no and I don't know if I was younger and I'm not saying it's wrong no 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 and like the book doesn't say that at all that's just something like that pulled out for me and yeah and I guess my point is it's it is something that exists and how it exists or, you know, where it exists. I think it's, it is one of those things of like there, we as a society can do all of these things that we think are great and provide help, but it's not help if people don't feel like they can take it. Right. And I, and I, it just, it was just tragic to see how it was affecting her so much, knowing that if this was a real-world situation, there are so many things that society, like you said, has set up to offer help, but then also made people, actively make people ashamed of accepting that help. And that goes, that's not just with health insurance with Rico in this book. This goes down to, like, even having Zan, that's the rich kid, Alexander Gustavo Macklin, which is a name, like uh, name. one of the things, and this is where I was also like, like how you and friend of the pod mafia, I was like, Stephanie, you need friendlier flirting signs. I felt like Rico needed that like a oh, lot, yeah. like the whole yeah. book. Cause there yeah. were some things where she would just dive deep into like, I can't accept rides from him. That's accepting help. People pay for that. I'm like, no, it's just a boy that likes you. Right. And he wants right. to spend time with you. And you're kind of being a jerk to him. So he's trying to offer you. He just wants right. to, you to be in his car. Well, and I think, yeah, he wants to be near you. To the I point think the other- where, like, it has affected me to the point where I'm like, oh, I do shit like that. Where just some rando dude when I went to go take Piper out to pee and take out the trash was like, hey, can I take, do you want me to take that for you? And I was like, yeah. Yes, please take Thanks. out my trash. Thank you. <laughs> Thank you. Yes. Um, I think the other piece of it for in this specific book is that basically Rico's been working since she was legally able 
to do it. And yeah. she removes herself. She basically hasn't had friends up until now. No. And she removes herself from situations because she feels like she doesn't belong. At the times where someone might be in sports or in an after-school club or something like that, she's having to work. So she's not doing it. She basically hasn't been like... I mean, not to sound like Bridgerton, but like out in society, like she hasn't been. You know what I mean? Like kid, it's like as soon yeah, and so she could contribute. Her mother expected her to contribute, and and so she didn't have an opportunity to like spend it with other kids. So like beyond just the friendly or flirting with Zan, she also doesn't know how to deal when Jessica just wants to be friends, and she's like what what's happening like and she's literally like i want to be your friend and she's like i, I mean don't. to be fair that is a little bit what you did to me so i mean everyone just needs a little touch <laughs> i i liked it i it was it was quick i ended up reading it pretty quickly um just because i had time and and it was pretty engaging in the way that it was written yeah um, but I thought it was a good story. It it didn't like it was surprising in the right ways and yeah. like plot wise, it was fun. I don't know if it's gonna become a classic, but it was fun. Uh-huh. It was I could see it being like an after school special kind of not that there was like a moral, but like I could see it being like a little well, mini series if bit we still of a made moral those. where it's like Everyone's got problems, no matter how much yeah. money. One of the other things that keeps a theme that kept coming up was options. Because mm-hmm. she felt like she had no options. Zan felt like he had no options. Because he signed a contract when he was, like, a, a, out of middle school with his father. Yeah, because his father wants him to go into the family business, doesn't want him to go to college because Which I found strange, but that's fine. Yeah. Rich I, people are strange. Yeah. But basically it's like, why bother going to college if you're already clearly have an aptitude for the business that, because he seems to be like, he seems to understand the business, have ideas, like mm-hmm. he's already kind of in it. So the dad is like, why bother going to college if you already have an aptitude for this work that you're going to be doing? You'll start at a decent salary and here you go, you're on track. Why would you why would you change that? And he has he plays football, he has football scholarships and in his mind he's trapped. He doesn't have any options. Yeah. This is his only route. And in Rico's mind, she's like you have all the options in the world. I don't have any options. I can't go to college because I have to continue to work to support my little brother and my mom. And, you know, and it's, I think you're right. It's, it's that eye opening, like grass is always greener. Yeah. Because from Zan's point of view too, he like, he loves Rico's little brother. Like he always wanted a little brother. He basically, he's way younger than all of his siblings. There was a sibling before him that passed away. So he's pretty much just been left alone his entire life. And no, like he has no interaction with people. So to him, Rico's family, even though they are struggling to get by financially, he looks at them and sees a loving family that cares about each other. 
and spends whatever time they possibly can with each other versus his family where they only get together for like big weddings and, you know, formal family dinners. Right. Right. So, you know, it is a little bit of that grass is always greener. We also left out that not only part of the contract where he had to take over the company, Mm -hmm. that if he chose to go to college, he would Mm. be cut off financially for the rest of for the rest of his life yeah that seemed a little like that was something where like i can see how as a kid you're like oh my god and then as an adult reading that i'm like the rest of your life really like in your 20s if you're a good kid and like you are doing something worthwhile like your dad's gonna be like all right i'll put you back in the will but we also have to remember even though it was more adulty than the babysitters. It's still written for teenagers. Yes, yes. <laughs> well, that's what I mean. Like, it's reading it from the adult perspective. It's yeah. a little bit of like. Eh. So, what was the most surprising part of the book for you? Um, I don't know. Like, there were surprising parts, but I don't know if there's like one thing that jumped out at me. I think, and I feel like I should have seen this coming. I was surprised that Zan was actually the winner of the lottery ticket. That seemed a little bit like it just came out of left field. Yes. Yeah, that's true. That's true. That, that did. And I think maybe why I was, why I wasn't thinking about that is because I feel like I should have been thinking that, but yeah, like, and at that point, too, her little brother had been in the hospital for, like, a month. He got, like, meningitis, which was – he could have yeah. died. It was really freaky. But yeah. she was, like, beating herself up about, like, she was on the phone with Zan didn't check his temperature, and he could have died. I'm like, oh, honey, if he had meningitis, he was sick way before you got on that phone call. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so, like, they're super in debt, like – by like $322,000, because that's what happens when you don't have health insurance. Hey, America, stop that. Yeah. It's really some, bad. Get some health insurance. I'm looking at my microphone like it's America. It might be. God. It's that just, inanimate object. It's going write to a, write a chapter to somebody. It's true. From the perspective of Stephanie's microphone, she yells at me a lot. She yells at me a lot. She's ranting about Medicare for all. Again. Again, and a living minimum wage, which is not $15 an hour, which we're not going to get, but maybe we could come together. Could we possibly get 13 I don't know, people. Get your shit together. I hate and, that, yeah. I just hate that we have to, like, I don't know, play the stupid game. Right? And this not book feeds game into game. the stupid game. I know, I know. Like, it's literally all of the problems. All of the problems that are wrong all with problems. America. That literally... You have to win a lottery ticket to pay off your medical bills. What the fuck? Yeah. And then she didn't accept it. And then she felt bad about it. But then he set up trusts for her, him, and her brother. So I guess they're all fine. (laughs) Spoiler. Um, We'll have to, in all the, like, posts, we'll have to be, like, spoiler alert. Um... I feel like you should know by now that all of these are spoiler alert. We ruin the books. <laughs> well, yes, but I feel like there's... That should be our tagline. We ruin books. <laughs> Boozy Sitters Club. Or Boozy Sitters Club. We read them so you don't have to. 
There you go. Um, I will say one other surprising thing is that Zan's never an asshole. Never. Like, I feel like he is the ultimate caricature or could be the ultimate Mm -hmm. caricature of a rich, popular, talented, smart high school boy Mm -hmm. who ultimately does something asshole that makes the girl he likes not like her. You know, like, but he, he is always a decent kid and... Sure, he does stuff that like she doesn't like sometimes, but it's he recognizes like her big thing is when they first meet, he's never he never asks her to do anything. He just expects that she's mm-hmm. going to do it. Like, I'm gonna give you a ride home. Come on. And she's like, Well, why don't you ask me? And so she gets him. She kind of trains him to... She 100% trains him, which I also think is funny that at least the way she's written, she doesn't realize. Yes. Like, she <laughs> thinks she's just kind of being, like, putting her foot down and it's like, yeah. But but <laughs> she gets to a point where she just kind of has to be like, eh, and give him a look. And he's like, oh, right. May I please give you a ride home tonight? Like, you know, so I think... It's. It was a little refreshing that he didn't just end up being, like, the stereotypical asshole. Yeah, and if anything, he ended up being pretty weird. Oh, yeah. yeah like He's, his, like, the secret nerdball weirdo. Like, spoke like he was in Shakespeare and shit. Yeah. Which I'm guilty of sometimes, too, but, like... I'm known for being weird. I'm not popular. I mean, maybe I am. I don't maybe know. Maybe you are and you don't know. I need signs. <laughs> so what was the most expected part of the book? Uh, I mean, I think ultimately that there was like a happy ending. See, that wasn't expected for me. I like thought that like... This was because everything was aside from like the lottery ticket, everything else I felt was like fairly realistic. I was like, something horrible is going to happen. I mean, something horrible Mm. did happen with the brother, but I was like, something horrible is going to happen and this is going to blow up. But so I was happy it had a happy ending. Yeah. I was also happy that they didn't like fall in. I mean, they still are in like deep like with each other, but like they didn't ride off into the sunset. There's a truck. Okay. didn't know if it was like Piper making weird sounds. Um, <laughs> yes, it wasn't like, oh my God, everything exactly happens perfectly, but it was like the right happy ending. Yes. He did buy them a house though, but informed her well, she would. He bought himself a he house. He bought himself and, a house. And was like, it's cool if you want to live here too. Like she has a key. Yeah. And that was the other thing. There was a lot of talk about like moving in together and getting married for people that are like 17 and 18. But I think I do think that's a thing that people that are not us might be doing. Okay. I don't know. People get married young or you think you're in love. Like Jess and Ness. Sure. Yeah. They're not lasting. I don't think. I don't know. <laughs> maybe they're the exception like there's always like that one couple that was like we met in high school and that was it 
40 years later, here we are. And I feel like Rico and Zan are actually like setting themselves up for some version of when Harry met Sally. Yes, absolutely. They're not getting (laughs) together now, but like in like 15 years, they're going to like date other people. They're going to go save the world. They're going to do their thing. They're going to come back. And yeah. Like, I I think that's that's that. Yeah. Yeah. So that was the book. It was the book. It was good. Uh, good choice. I liked it. Yeah, I think next pick is yours. Do you have mm-hmm. one picked out already? I think I do. Okay, what is do it? You want to know what it is? Yeah. Um, it's called the Wife Upstairs. Ooh, are we um, delving into adult novels? Yes, <laughs> but it's the I believe first adult novel by a. Uh, young adult novelist so it's a woman that's written a lot of ya but this is she's branching out i just Um, went full turtle on you it's cool (laughs) um but it's gotten uh, a lot of good reviews and do you want to know anything about it yeah tell me about it tell the listeners about it um so it is here's the only thing that i know the uh author is rachel hawkins Mm -hmm. and um it's a Southern Gothic retelling of Jane Eyre. Ooh. Set in modern times. I mean, I do love Southern Gothic. I know. Um, I so love I'm freaky Southern things. And apparently... Although it's too damn hot on here. Yeah. <laughs> um, apparently there's a... Because I follow her on Twitter. So we can do the tag tag thing. She's really active on Twitter. She's the one... Uh, that comment about um, uh, Hot Hot Mr. Kishi. Oh, my God. I forgot about Hot Hot Mr. Mr. Kishi. Mr. Kishi. (laughs) Well, that's exciting. I'm glad we're reading her book. I hope Hot Hot Mr. Kishi is back for season two of The Babysitter's Club. Congratulations to New Dawn. Yes. I am sorry. I, I know we're going back to him, but Mr. Kishi is like way too hot for his wife. Wow. Like she's a nice looking woman, but I'm like, she must Maybe be Maybe she has other talents. I'm sure she has other talents. I'm sure their personalities are matched beautifully. But I was like. Maybe he has like, I don't know, imposter syndrome and he doesn't really realize how hot he, he is. Maybe he was never hot until he like hit his stride in his however old he is, 40s, 50s. 40s, probably. (laughs) I don't know. How old is Alicia Silverstone? So that's the pick. That's the pick. I think that's a good pick. I don't know if it has an audio. It's like very new. What's Um, it called? The Wife Upstairs. You did literally just say that. It's fine. Um, It's still on my hold list for like nine weeks in the library, so I may need to break down and buy it. I just wrote The Wolf Upstairs. Or that. Rachel Hawkins? Mm-hmm. It's got it. Hmm. I've been noticing that, like, books now. Ooh, it has multiple narrators. Ooh, fancy. I love when they, like, turn it into, like, a radio play. Also, the audiobook was read by Nick Stone. And oh, she that's did, fun. It was fun. She also, she did some voices. Oh, <laughs> It actually went pretty well. Okay. Mr. Zugby was a little, ah, but uh, uh-huh. I was a little like, oh, dear, I don't know if we should be doing that. <laughs> but it was fine. <laughs> I had to laugh because I have a friend whose last name is Zogby. And 
it's spelled differently, but in my head, I was like, oh, <laughs> it's the same. Her voices, particularly for Jax, were great. Like, she does a great, like, eight-year-old Nine-year-old boy. kid. <laughs> Nine-year-old boy. How old it was. Because she, she was like, this is awesome! And I was like, that's yeah, amazing. That's about it. <laughs> so. Okay. Next All book. Right. We'll read it. We'll be back soon with a regularly scheduled episode. And Get your next book now. Goodbye. And join in. Bye.